Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, I'm Johnny Owen, and this is the Best 11 podcast from TalkSport. Mark Webster and I ask our guests 11 questions all about their love of football, from their earliest memories of the game to how their matchday rituals have changed over the years. And at the end, they'll tell us their best 11, a team made up of anyone who's ever played for their club, along with a manager of their choice. Will they force players from a different era into a 4-3-3, or will they keep it simple with a 4-4-2? We'll find out very shortly. Our guest today is one of Britain's favourite comedians and actors. He broke the Edinburgh Festival box office ticket sales record and has won numerous awards for best stand-up. And has won numerous awards for best stand-up. On the big screen, he's appeared in films such as Gladiator and The Mummy and won an International Film Award for Best Supporting Actor in Casanova. He now hosts his own game show on ITV, Winning Combination. It is, of course, the brilliant Omid Jalili. Omid, welcome to your best 11. Can you start by telling us who you support and why? Well, first of all, great, great to be here, guys. Um, many people know I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a Chelsea fan, and I've been a Chelsea fan since 1971, um, when I went to school, my primary school, and the reason why I became a Chelsea fan is we, we started kicking a ball around in the playground. And, 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 you know, kids have balls now. It used to be an old tennis ball, or at one point, we, literally an apple core. If someone finished an apple, you'd kick the ball around. <laughs> and I remember joining in with the year above. So I'm like Ooh. five, and the year above is six. And there was a very charismatic, athletic child called Ian Spooner who went on to become some kind of sports teacher or something. And he came in one day in a full Chelsea kit. And everyone was surrounding him saying, oh, wow. Of course, Chelsea won the FA Cup the year before. But it was the new, I remember it so clearly, it was the new kind of, they had a new kit. And it was like, you could see, I'm not sure, I think the FA Cup was on it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And there was a dragon. And everyone was around. And I remember saying to someone, what is what is that? They said, don't you know, it's Chelsea. And of course, th- th- this is a primary school on Kensington High Street in the Royal Borough of Kensington, Chelsea. So they were saying, it's your local teammate. This is the team you should be supporting. And I, I remember looking at the badge and there was a dragon and it looked like something from Middle Earth. And it looked really, to me, it was like I went off on some kind of mystical image journey but for them, it's just that's the team that won the FA Cup and it's yeah. our local team and that's who you support. But for me, it was like there was something mystical. And then I finally went to a game. You have to understand, my parents had a guest house 
our home was like a guest house. So Iranians, sick Iranians would come over to get kind of, you know, private health care at Harley Street. And one day, one Saturday afternoon, there were a couple of older blokes there, must have been their 40s. They just said, there's any football matches going on. And Ian Spooner, the kid, had told me on the Friday, oh, we've got a big game against West Ham this Saturday. So I knew in my head Chelsea were playing West Ham. So I just said, by this time I'm age six, this is 1972. I said, there's a Chelsea game on. And they said, oh, can we go? And this is already like 3.15. They've already kicked off. And my dad said, why don't you go and translate for these two blokes? So we arrived, We arrived. The, I think, 10 minutes into the second half. And we didn't know where to get tickets. And I asked these people, where would you get tickets? There were ticket touts. So they, I'll never forget, they sold us three tickets for £21. And I remember these, the Iranian blokes just took out all this cash. They go, yeah, three tickets. It's, uh, it's, 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 we need a, a 10, two fives and a £1 note, and they took £21 off it. Years later, I realised it was like £1.50 for a ticket. <laughs> totally ripped off. I mean, totally ripped off. And I'll never forget, we walked in. It was the Shed East stand. Oh. It was brand, they just made it, and it was the lower tier. And we walked in, these two Iranian blokes, looking so Middle Eastern, with thick moustaches. And I remember... There was this one bloke just started shouting. He goes, oh, oh, he goes, yeah, Yasser, Yasser Arafat's here. What time do you call this? Everyone's doing this. What time do you call this? We just arrived to take our seats like 15 minutes into the second half. And people, people say, sit down, sit down, Yasser. And, you know, there's always one bloke who shouts and everyone else is just too spineless to say anything. So they kept, they kept shouting at us. And, and I'll never forget, it was Chelsea West Ham. We'd come in, it was already 2-1 to West Ham. And I remember... I think it was Billy Bond. Someone rose up to score and a couple of people around us cheered their West Ham fans. But I remember thinking, I'm going, to, I'm going to be coming here a lot. And after that, when I was about 10, I started going alone because you could walk from, from the back of High Street. Yeah, yeah. Like, Lovely walk. Road. I used to walk age 10, about 9 and 10. I used to walk all by myself, pay like pound fifty, and I'd go and sit in the same area. It was always East Stand Lower. So that's that's how I became a Chelsea fan. Sorry, it's a bit long. And no, that's brilliant. That's but but the, the you are the, it is the bane of my existence is the nineteen seventy one Chelsea team, because everyone supported Chelsea because it was about as glamorous as life got when they won that FA Cup, which <laughs> yeah. is which is presumably where any one of the Hollywood looking stars was must have been one of your favourite players as a kid. Yes, they were. I mean, look, there's something about that team, uh, the 1970 team. They had Peter Rosgood had these Hollywood good looks. And for some reason, over the rest of the 1970s, it was very well documented that Raquel Welsh would suddenly appear. Big yes, Hollywood yeah, star. Raquel yes. Welsh. It wasn't just like the, oh, Lawrence Olivier. It was always like Olivier at the bridge. And it was like, you know, you know, it was Michael Caine would show up. And, and I'm, I don't think they had any affiliation. And there was talk of Johan Cruyff coming to signing for Chelsea. And we were like, you know, bottom of the first division back then. So, yeah, there is this kind of cool. And I do know that um, it's a fact that George Best, whenever he'd finish games at Manchester United, he'd get on a train and come and hang out with the Chelsea players and hang out at Stamford Bridge. So... Sorry, on the King's Road. You'd come to Stamford Bridge yeah. after a game, literally get a train, and they'd all meet somewhere on the King's Road. And there was this cool about uh, Chelsea. I wasn't aware of that when I was a kid, but I'm, I'm more aware of it now, which is why when I did the... Um, there was a video for the 2018 
2019 season where we launched the white retro kind of mod with like a mod retro white away kit. Yeah, I remember the, that. Yeah, and the uh, the tagline was "It's a Chelsea thing," and it was all about um, it's a Chelsea thing. It's Kings Road. It's West London cool, and um, that's something I became aware of much later. But yeah, you're absolutely right. There was there was un, probably unjustifiably because Chelsea were not that that great a team in the mid 70s. In fact, we got we 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 got relegated. I remember Chelsea got relegated in 1975, and I threw my brother's moped helmet on the ground. My dad said, what are you doing? I went, this is Chelsea relegated. He said, what does that even mean? I said, you don't know my life. You don't know anything. And I was 10. And what the hell do you know? Were you clutching the helmet or did you go and find the helmet to smash it on the floor? I didn't... The, we lived in a block of flats and he brought his moped into the house and the moped and the helmet was on the seat. And I didn't know what to... I kicked the door and I got the helmet and chucked it. And he went, oi, 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 what are you doing? <laughs> I just started screaming back. You don't know. I went in my room. You don't know anything about me. You don't know my life. It's very funny. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry. I do apologize. Was I, would, would Osgood out of that crew be? Was he your, was he your favourite player then? Would you say from that? No, no. Actually, yeah. Osgood was the most well known, and I remember whenever he did something, it was always like Brian Moore in the big match. Cause, yeah. Oh, banana shot. He just kicked the ball with the outside of his <laughs> foot. Curl a shot. Yeah. Oh, it was a banana shot. My favourite players were the wingers. I've always loved the wingers. And there were two. There was Charlie Cook, yeah. who was Scottish. And I'm not just saying this because he then died in a car crash, tragically, uh, in, the, in around 1977 when he was playing for another team. I, I think he'd left Chelsea. But Peter Houseman, Houseman yeah. was our left winger. And I remember he died tragically. Him and his wife died in a terrible car crash. And I remember being so shocked. I was about 11, 11 years old. And I went to Stamford Bridge to there was a memorial game for him there was 17,000 people showed up to raise money for the family in those days you, you had testimonials and you had games that were put on and all the gate receipts would go to the family so it was the Chelsea 1970 team playing the the, the team now so it was a thrill that it was for the, for the boys from the 70s that seven years before and it was three nil to the to the Chelsea boys who were playing currently then but Peter Hausman definitely uh, if you look at his stats, I don't think he scored that many goals. I think he's probably scored 20 goals in about four or five years. But there was something he, to me, epitomised Chelsea. The wing play, exciting play, an intelligent left foot like a wand. And um, he was he, he was my hero, I would say, Peter Hausman, yeah. Oh. I, I was going to say, I loved uh, listening to the stories there about you sort of walking to the game as a kid. And I, I lived in that area for a long time. And it's so well known, High Street Ken, right through West Ken, past the World's End Estate, down Fulham Broadway, and there's the ground and all that. What were your matchday rituals uh, as a kid, Omid? And, and what are they like now? Do you still manage to get down to the bridge? I do. Um, the matchday rituals, I, I mean, for my shame... And I'm very embarrassed because we, we, I remember when Roy Keane was talking about the prawn sandwich brigade. I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate, they're the people who take football away from the real people. But there is actually, <laughs> this is going to sound awful. I actually was in two minds whether I should even say Go this, on, but, set yourself up for the fall you're in. <laughs> okay, this is really bad. This is, and I, and I have to cushion this. This is really bad. That because I'd done some stuff for Chelsea Football Club, they said, do you want to upgrade your season ticket? And there's two places at Canaletto's. I said, what's Canaletto's? They said, well, come and have a look at it. It's, you can get a meal there. And I remember, I said, oh, I'm not sure. It's all a bit prawn sandwich. You could not come and have a look at it. In I think in the 1980s, Ken Bates' favourite restaurant, Ken Bates, the, the chairman of Chelsea, yeah. he loved a restaurant. 
in Venice called Canaletto. So he had a replica made inside the East Stand. Not many people know of its Good existence. Lord. It's, it's, and they said, and it's like a Michelin star restaurant. And I sit there with other, I've got my own table and I usually take my son or uh, it's some, some VIP guest, someone I'm trying to impress. And I eat so much before a game, I'm pretty much comatose and asleep. <laughs> Unless the game is very, very exciting, I'm usually asleep. Is he gently napping for 90 minutes of With my head on my guest's shoulder. <laughs> And I think usually I wake up and break wind and go, oh, we score. So I, I, I'm very embarrassed to tell you that my pre-match ritual is stuffing my face oh, yeah. stuffing and being comatose. Nothing wrong with that. Do you there know is what? not one of us no. who would not take But you know, advantage. it's a funny thing. You're absolutely right, Omid, because Chelsea, because of the reputation of Chelsea yeah. and all the rest of it, I was very lucky. A mate of mine worked on the Evening Standard uh, and he got me in the boardroom. And, and a bit like you're saying, I was a bit like, I'd been to a few boardrooms, so I was very lucky. And I was Chelsea's. It was just, it was what you expect at Chelsea. There was a great moment where I said to the guy, I says, uh, I fancy a whiskey. He went, well, what do you want, sir? And I went, how many have you got? He went, come here. And he had like a collection of whiskeys. <laughs> yeah, like, like, everything Yeah, everything. Everything. And he'd go, of course, I'm at Chelsea. And the best bit was, my mate said, do you want to see a steak? And I went, yeah, okay. And he went, come on. And they were, they'd make the steak in front of you. Oh, good Lord. Oh, I was yes, that's oh, just good. Yeah, and I was a bit like, ah, this is Chelsea. It's exactly, yeah. exactly. It's almost, behind, it's almost like a Bond villain. You know, you go down the, the tube and you go, ah, this is proper luxury. This what? is what, this is where. <laughs> it should be. Yeah, it should be, yeah. And also, and listen, I know, you know, we're, we're in the world of wacky money and of course, Roman is definitely got that. But I do, I perhaps you know the truth of this. I like to think that it's true that Under the Bridge, which is a brilliant little nightclub, yes, which is there, and I've seen some great sort of great old soul and funk and jazz acts in there, yeah. was originally Roman's personal disco. <laughs> and that's the rumour or the, or the folklore about it. And it was converted into a sort of like a public enterprise. I, can you confirm or deny that? I, I can't confirm or deny it. I knew of its existence. Um, it's it's now become a venue because I remember years ago they were asking me to do a gig there and everything. But whether it's a place where he would have these late night secretive kind of midnight medieval music, there was all these Russian balalaika you oh. know, players. I, I have heard the rumor, but I can't confirm them either way. <laughs> I do know that I've been I was invited by the ex-chairman now, Bruce Park, on the other side, on the west, uh, in the west stand, that is where they had a step up on levels of buffet and every single, I mean, you say you want, oh, it's amazing. E even if they, if they don't want a McDonald's takeaway, they, they, they have like an Uber <laughs> Eats, they can go and get it for you. And all you had to do was tell Bruce Park that he looked like Larry David. <laughs> He's so happy. Then, like he would say, and he'd obviously say, I like Omid because, and he'd, he'd quote Larry David, Omid is genuinely bald. He's not cultivating a look. I said, That's what Larry would say. So oh. if you do that, then you're in with the West Stand lot. That's what's great about when, when you live there. Um, the, the club is really important to the area still. We, we, we discovered this you know, when the European Super League and there were the protests outside. Yeah. And I lived in Earls Court Road and they won the FA Cup when I was living there. And, you know, exactly as you'd expect, unlike any other town, bunting out, buses coming through, people celebrating from the buses and people in the streets, exactly as you'd imagine. You know, there's no, I, you know, people would sometimes say, oh, well, they've won so many cups now, they must be used to it. No, you, I've still felt when I lived there that when they won something, mm. they really, it, it felt like you were in the place where Chelsea belongs in that part of London. Yeah. You know? 
interesting it's point. Because yeah. You, ter- you turn right outside of Fulham Broadway is a different story from turning left yeah. out of Fulham Broadway. Yeah. But what's your thoughts on because of course there's there's been the attempts to to move away to find a new space to try and find a space relatively close to where they are now for a new ground. Because it is an old-fashioned ground, is it? This yeah. is the weird thing for a place which is kind of clearly got the best cuisine and, and nightclub it entertainment in, yeah. all of, <laughs> in all of London. Do you think moving would be a mistake on it? Yes, I would. I, I, I'm, I'm very much again. There was talk of them going to Battersea Park. That's right. Yeah. 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 I mean, that whole area has been regenerated anyway. Oh, I don't think that's going to happen. Unbelievable, now, isn't it? Who <laughs> would have thought that Battersea 20 or 30 years ago? If you work in the chimneys, you'd never know it, would you? <laughs> work the chimneys. <laughs> right. Now, have you acquired, and I'm assuming that given the fact that you've been inside the club and involved with some of their promotional stuff, you've got a great bit of memorabilia or souvenir. I think you you do want to. I just wrote no, down right. memories. That's such a that's such a cop out answer. That the the memory my memories of being a Chelsea as a kid. Because there are so many. The, the, for, for me, the main memorabilia for me was how, especially in the nineteen eighties, how comfortable we all were with the violence going on. Just violent things happening. I will never forget then I was upper tier East Stand where it's quite steep when you sat towards the back. I remember Chelsea were playing Leicester and there was a bloke sat next next to me on the aisle and this is quite, really quite steep and he was kind of going, come on, Chelsea. He was like, his whole body was about to explode with testosterone and energy. Then remember Chelsea scored, Colin Lee scored. And everyone went nuts. We all stood up and he jumped up. But the bloke behind him also jumped up celebrating and just lost his balance and just touched the bloke next to me who's intense. Just touched him. And the bloke went like that, got him in a headlock. And literally while everyone's celebrating, I never forget, three times, bang, bang, bang in the face, let him go. He fell down the steps. And we watched this and then we carried on celebrating. (laughs) The bloke sat down and his friend was saying, you're right. He gave him a tissue. His nose is bleeding. About two minutes later, the bloke who hit him turned around and goes, sorry about that. And the bloke just went, no, 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 it's all right. It's all right. It's fine. It's down to 21. I shouldn't have touched you, mate. He goes, no, I'm sorry. I'm just so excited. He goes, no, nah, it's a bit steamy, isn't it? Yeah, I just like touched you because I was about to fall down. He goes, I didn't mean to smack you. He goes, no, no, it's fine, mate. And they carried on like mates. But it was a horrific moment of violence, which was so normalised and nothing, no action was taken. The steward saw it. I witnessed it. But it was like my main memorabilia is everywhere seeing people getting smacked, people getting hit, you know, away fans being attacked, all happening around me. But it was like, whoop, let's get out of the way. You know, 10 blokes have just jumped on this one Sunderland fan. Oh, better step away. It, 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 no one said anything, which is why I said there was this generation of football fans who were spineless not spineless because we knew if we got involved we'd probably get our heads kicked in mm-hmm. well because th- there is this thing that football fans are the most spineless people in the world because they never stand up to injustice because of my generation we've seen it and we just think all oh, best not get involved so that's my main if you want any memorabilia it's just seeing violence and now being, I know that if anything happened, I'd go and I say, oh, "What are you doing?" I, I literally become, I would become a Rottweiler. I don't want, I don't want to tempt fate, because I'm not sure that's the wisest thing to do. 
but but that is the, my main memory that I take away from the 70s and 80s, just how comfortable we were with with football violence and how wrong that would be now. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, lots of our guests talk about this, about how normalised it was sure. at that yeah. time. They all say about the same thing, you know, and how it was part of everyday going to a football match. It just seems how it was. It's, it's an interesting, you know, and, and often it memory is, we all have. And it's... And it's and the violence is perfectly capable of separating itself from bigotry. It, violence, the, the violence was a hobby. Mm. It didn't, you know, and, it, and, and yes, it will come loaded sometimes. It will, it will be for a reason. But often that reason simply, they're the other lot. Mm. You know, yeah. Tribal. They're the, it's a tribal argument and, and, and so often not a cultural one, especially because when you, I mean, you've, I've, you, you go back to Cass Pennant, of course, being in charge of the mob at West Ham, you know, I mean, it, it clearly wasn't easy for him, but that's what he was, and he kind of that was. It is. A, you're right. It's a different attitude. Do you know what? Can I just tell you a quick story? There was a game. Chelsea were in the second division. They came back in the first division. There was a home first home game against West Ham, and I was this time sat in the West Stand, and I got chatting to this bloke next to me. We were just chatting away, and then when Chelsea scored, I got up, but he didn't, and only a few people got up in our in our area, and then. Chelsea was 2-0, then when it was 3-0, the bloke had been chatting to me next to me. Then he went, um, Then when, when Chelsea scored the third goal, everyone, it seemed, that must have been a couple of, maybe 100 people, maybe 200, just got up to leave. And the bloke next to me goes, see you, mate, got to go. And it was basically the West Ham firm who then went round and raided the, the shed. They went in and started fighting, and everyone was looking at us. I said... That's the bloke I was sat next to. <laughs> and there was this massive brawl going on on the far side of the shed. But they had been sat next to me wow. and chatting to me as well. I must have been about 18 or 19. And he couldn't have been more than 20, 21. So remember, he was a nice bloke. He's all right. Oh, and then I said, are you West Ham fan? He went, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. And I said, yeah, we were just chatting away. But it was, but they were the hooligans. And he was just, sorry, he just touched me on the shoulder. Went, Got to go, mate. Sorry. Because they all stood up and they went in. Someone had made a decision. That's it. We're going to lose the game. Let, let's let, let's Look, let's take the let's, let's start the fun now. <laughs> so he had an appointment. Ter- terribly sorry, mostly have an appointment, and off he, get, <laughs> off he goes. Yeah, it's, it, it it's is terrible. It is so. Well, uh, to try and work out the psychology, oh, this is. I mean, I always remember going to watch Cardiff play when I was really young. My father. My oh, grandfather. Cardiff! They oh, so so my, I, a bit like you say, my grandfather goes in, and because my grandfather was of a generation, like you saying, who, who would who would call <laughs> it out? And I go in there. I must be about like eight or nine, and all like the Cardiff firm was standing up in the grandstand, and he kind of like shook his fist as he, ah, look at you lot, and he went bloody hooligans. <laughs> and the first thing is, they went, oh, nice one, thanks. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. We must look the part. Well, this is yeah, correct, yeah. sir. Yeah, yes, okay, exactly. so, yeah. Off you go to your seat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, where were we? All right. Oh, I know. <laughs> Favourite player now. Okay. Well, the, the thing the thing I like about this Chelsea team right now is that there are no there are no big stars, and it's really the teamwork. I mean, yeah. people talk about Mason Mount, but there are no stars. The one player who I would say is my favourite player now. Obviously, I've, I've, I could say all the wingers and all that, but they haven't, as far as I'm concerned. None of them have really proved themselves. I mean, Pulisic is great to watch, but he's still not starting all the time. The one player I love is the captain, Cesar Azpilicueta, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. 2017, when Chelsea won the league, there was a big do at, at Battersea, and I was the comedian booked. So they said, you can you can have a go at the players. So I was I was joking about, oh, David Luiz is here. You know, we sold him for, we sold him for 50 million to Paris Saint-Germain. We bought him back for 32. And I said, let's sell him again because, you know, we, we, 
You know, he's, he's the footballing equivalent of a Saab 900. You can sell him and get more back, you know, you get more out of it. And of course, none of these players really understood what I was even saying. I said, all my life as a comedian, I've wanted to perform for the Chelsea squad and there's not a, a word of English spoken amongst the whole squad, but enough about Gary Cahill. So like, like jokes like that. And I was also joking, I was joking about John Terry. I said, I've made, uh, John Terry has been Chelsea captain as long as I've been married, but I've, but I've made love to a, a poster of John Terry more than I have, you know, in my, in my whole life. Said, and then when Chelsea won the league, my wife said, what's, why is there a poster of John Terry above the bed and why there's so many holes in it? And I said, shut up, lie down and put the poster on. <laughs> there were lots of jokes like that. And none of them understood, they didn't understand any of the jokes. No, and no, the stop. only person who laughed was, I said, Cesar Aspilicueta this year. He's, he's played every single minute of every single game. Mm. But has he sold any shirts? No, because a Chelsea shirt is 60 quid, but with, with Aspilicueta on the back, it's 540. <laughs> Yes. And he, la- he he was banging the table. He was laughing so much. And then afterwards, when, when we, we did that video of Chelsea thing, he'd come down. He travelled all the way from quite far away to be there just for a small bit. I mean, he was in it just for a small bit. And we, we had a chat and I said, and I said to him, thanks for coming down. He goes, I'll come down for you. He goes, I said, for me? He goes, yeah, you made me laugh so much last year and um and you you went quite easy on me when, when you could have gone worse and i remember thinking what a gentleman and how great that he is the captain because you can see that everyone respects him and there's no player more than him that gives you know when they say give 110 yeah, percent, yeah he gives his life for that team so he's my favorite player because he embodies the spirit of what you want a football i mean at the end of the day if, if your team loses and they play well or you just want to see effort and every time I've seen him, and, I, and as a season ticket holder, I've never seen him give less. And actually, after some games, there was a game against West Ham where Chelsea won 1-0, and they were all on the floor afterwards. I mean, the, the Chelsea players collapsed because they had exerted so much energy, but Aspilicueta was up, shaking hands with the other players. There's something about him that is, for me, the model pro and someone who just gives every... You know, like the image of the candle. The candle has a light, but the candle weeps away its life until the candle is down. That to me, that says Aspilicueta. He's the candle that weeps away his life for the cause, and yeah. that's why he's my favourite player. Do you know, and he's the kind of footballer that new managers come in and think they can do without. Mm. You know, he's he's past his best. You know, he doesn't he doesn't offer. He's not so strong in defence. He's not that good going for. And then they realise up and no, he's absolutely the beating heart of this place. Essential. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And he, he may not be. The superstar, he may not be the on the biggest one, whatever. The fact is, you just need that guy, yeah. And he's definitely you know, the, the, he scored the first goal under the two hole um reign, and it's very interesting because I'd never seen him do this where Hudson Adoy was playing right wing back, yeah. And it was like every time they get to Hudson Adoy, Cesar, you have to do an overlap. And so, when they did the analysis, it was like as if Hudson Odoi's got the ball, he's at the back, the corner's come out, it's gone out to Hudson Odoi, and you'd see Aspilicueta putting his head down and rushing forward, like as if, like, I've got to do this. And I think on the fourth time he does it and he scores and he goes bananas. But just that, that fact that he's been told to do that and he does it, and you, you can just see head down and running. Sometimes, you yeah. know, when you don't want to run, yeah. but you can see he still does it in a lung-busting lung run. 
and it's the, and only a captain would do that. So that's why I mean, he, there are lots of favourite players, but I'd, I'd say he's much, of, of the current crop. He's he's definitely yeah, my favourite. Now you mentioned uh, a kit earlier on. Uh, Ian Spooner was that the name of the lad? Yes, yes. Ian Spooner in his resplendent in the FA or Cup. Or Sir, winning. as he became known, of course, to <laughs> generations <laughs> of children. Yes. Um, <laughs> have you got a favourite kit uh, that you? Yes. Yeah. I do definitely, and you know what? I'm, I lo- the main reason I like this kit is because they didn't change it for a couple of years from 19, from the 83, 84 season all the way through to the end of the 84, 85 season. Just two years mm. we had that. It's what we call the retro kit now, but it was like hooped. Yes. And it yeah. was like Chelsea, and there was like this slight red in the, the hoop. And there was yeah. just this, there was something about it. I think it's because I associate it with Chelsea coming up, winning the, the second division championship. And it was a, I went to every single home game and half the away games and also the next season, first season back, they were in that kit and I was at Highbury for the first game and Kerry Dixon scored the equaliser and we went mad. For me, that is the kit that encapsulates Chelsea Football Club in the 1980s. And And I suppose it's because it was when I started going regularly and I was able to travel myself, and I always, always went alone. I never went with anyone. I always went alone. It was my thing, and the big thing was always getting there and chatting to people. And I made lots of friends. I don't know any of their names. I've never kept up with any of them, but it, it represents a couple of years in my life where my whole life was Chelsea Football Club. I would say so. Yeah, that's the kit, and, and they never change it. It's not like now. They, I mean, Chelsea played in a new kit in the FA Cup because they said, here's our new kit. The second, next season not even started. Thought some marketing person says, oh, let's play it in the final because we can sell more shirts. So mm. it was in the days when it wasn't all about selling shirts. And I think that's why there's something about the integrity of that kit that I love. It's interesting that I know so many Chelsea fans and they talk so nostalgically about the, the Dixon-Speedy partnership up front and that team. They, uh, I got mates who say that that was their favourite time for sporting Chelsea, yeah. you know, it's it's an interesting yeah. thing. It was a special time and encapsulated in a in a milk in a milk cup quarter final replay up at Hillsborough when Chelsea were losing three nil. I never I'll never forget this. It was it was on Sports Night on a Wednesday oh, where they were showing the highlights. Oh, yeah, because free football midweek, you would never see it. Yeah, yeah. You never see it. And it was Tony Gubber. I think it was Tony Gubber. And and I remember I was about to switch it off. I thought, Christ, three 0 down. And then they said, Oh, Chelsea have made it. And in those days, you don't, you didn't know, you didn't know the result because it wasn't, wasn't like the internet or even CFAX or Teletext. I didn't know the result. They said Chelsea were three 0 down. I'm like, Oh God. And then. Paul Cannaville comes on, scores with his first touch, 3-1. Dixon makes it 3-2. Mickey Thomas makes it 3-3. And I'm, I'm, I'm about to break things. And then Cannaville breaks through and makes it 4-3. And I remember, it's the, only twice this has happened to me, where I got so, I screamed so much, I, I, got, light-headed, I got lightheaded and blacked out. <laughs> I fainted. The only other time that happened is when Beckham scored the free kick against Oh, Greece. yeah. And I, I remember, all I remember was being on the floor, my mate grabbing me, going, we've done it, we've done it. And he said, I, I literally was moving. Like, I, I couldn't actually, I wasn't aware because like I blacked fish. out. But, but that, that's, the, that's what football does to you when it is yeah. so exciting. I, 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 I've had this thing where I black out. I don't know. I just get lightheaded and, and, and lose well, it. Well, so euphoria. That, See? I, it's gonna... the euphoria. It's too much serotonin too much. in the brain. I've got to say, at three or just the idea of his brother hiding all of his crash helmets, yes, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> Is there another team that you have a soft spot for? 
Definitely. And it's Hereford United. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, because in 2014, I was touring and my, my, my technical manager is a Hereford fan. And he said, do you know Hereford are going, going under? And I said, no, he goes, we've got financial problems. And unless they get 21,000 quid in the next week or so, they're going under. I said, there's no one stepped up because they've tried everything. And uh, I said, well, what do you suggest? He goes, why don't we go to the Courtyard Theatre and do a, do a two gigs to them? It's a 400-seat venue. If you do two shows in one night, we reckon we can, with a, if there's a couple of things we can also auction off, we, we can make it. So I went down there. I'll never forget. I put on a Hereford top. And, I, and the reason why I like Hereford is because of the Ronnie Radford goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cap, and people, cap, that was always on match yeah. the day. And people even forget that the, that was that was just the equaliser and they went mad. You know, there was uh, Ricky, I think Ricky George scored the second That's goal. That's the name, yeah. That Ricky George. Uh, and, and then um, we went down there and the two shows raised 20,000 quid and Chelsea Football Club had given me a signed... A ball for them to auction, which got so we got twenty grand from the ticket sales, and there was uh, the ball got a thousand quid. So in that one evening, we raised twenty one thousand quid, and Brilliant. they um and the club was saved. And then they <laughs> they were talking of naming a burger van after me, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought would be very funny. And then there was the FA Vars fire because then unfortunately they still went down. Uh, and then they got to the FA Vars final and they asked, would, would Omid like to come out on our mascot at the beginning of the game? I said, what's the mascot? <laughs> it's a big bull. They wanted me to ride the bull. I, I think, no, no, that's too much. So, yeah, at the, and the fact that it was on Sky Sports News, it had this bar saying, Omid Jalili Giggs save Hereford United. And because of that, I still, to this day, any time... I even tweet something about football. Hereford fans always say, always remember what you did for us. Oh, wow, it's an amazing thing. So I still have a soft spot for it's that. It's a fine right. football club. I've, I've been there many times with Cardiff City and Merthyr and they've brought fans. It's a great, it's a, they always bring a few, they always have a sing song. I like Hereford for that. Yeah. It's, oh, a proper, Hereford, it's a proper football FA club. Glass, they played Morpeth. Yeah. They lost 4-1 to Morpeth and there was like 3,000 people in the Morpeth. But, but literally the whole of Hereford, they had 21, 22,000, yeah. just, just this white bank. Yeah. Way more than there were at Wembley for the FA Cup final recently. So all those people, all the, which we had the Cup final, were down one end. Yep. And that would have been Hereford. So they're, they're a very well-supported team. Omid, I want to talk to you about the Champions League final uh, coming yes. up, uh, Chelsea, Manchester City, and also about what you're up to, uh, hopefully touring and things, and what yes, with the world indeed. opening up again. Yes, Champions League final is going to be very, very exciting. I remember when Chelsea won the Champions League. There's actually a video... That's another time I didn't quite pass out, but I, I collapse. <laughs> it's at the back of uh, the theatre. I was doing what the butler saw um, at, at the theatre on the Strand, and someone I come off stage, and they I said, "What's the score?" It's gone. It's, it goes. Jogba's scored. It's just gone to extra time. So I got to watch it, and there was one of the guy who was my understudy started filming me. And if you go online, if you just put in Omid reaction Champions League onto YouTube. You'll see that when Drogba scores, I go bananas and collapse. I actually collapse on the ground and, and acknowledge this is the luckiest team in in footballing history. That we had no right to win that Champions League, coming sixth in the league, and we were not a great team. But through grit and determination, we made it. So that was. If anyone wants a memory, just tap in that thing. You see my reaction on 
on YouTube. But the, the Man City game is going to be very, very exciting. And, you know, anything can happen. Yes. Anything can happen in these games. And the great thing is Chelsea have beaten them twice already in the Cup semi-final and in the league. But still, anything can happen. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. And work-wise, yeah, I'm back on tour. I'm sick and tired of driving gigs and Zoom gigs. Yeah. I'll be back on tour. If you go on my website, homageleader.net, all the from July onwards, um, I'm going to be touring again. And and literally, it's one of those shows which, when I did it the last time I toured, which is 2016 to 2019, it was a show that developed. So people who saw the show in 2016 saw a completely different show by 2019. So I'm hoping, whilst there'll be a few set pieces, it's a show that will develop as things happen. And, you know, sometimes the news, the news writes itself. So there's so much... So much going on, and, and and it's about me. Actually, I was going to give you a bit of material, but no, I think I'll, I'll leave it. Just, just, just go on the website and check where I am. And, oh, uh, you come tease! Along. <laughs> uh, <there you> go. <laughs> this is the Best Eleven podcast from Talk Sport. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, let's get on to right. this. Uh, yeah, here, right. we here we go. It's Chelsea team, Ingalls. Ingalls. Well, it was a choice. It, it, whenever, whenever we talk to make this interesting, I can't just say Peter Cech or Peter Bonetti. Um, I want to give some honourable mentions to our most nutbaggy goalkeeper. Was a guy called Peter Barota, oh, and I was. think he was he was Yugoslav at the time. And I don't know which part of Yugoslavia. I think he was Croatian, but he or Serbian. But he was a nutbag. And uh, when I looked him up, he was um, in prison for art fraud. So <laughs> naturally, so there's something about Chelsea, and because we had Peter Bonetti and we had Peter Barota, that kind of helped Chelsea fans. It's, guy with the same Peter or Petard and that kind of we thought okay well he's got the same initials we'll, we'll take him but Benetti was someone who passed away and I and I was very lucky to play with him in a sky show called um, Premiership All-Stars where I was captain of a 
pro-celebrity team. It was a Sky One show. And when they call him Peter the Cat, he was 66 years old and he made a save and it literally looked like a cat had jumped up wow. and, and made a save. And, and, and his ritual before was yoga. He was doing the most unbelievable yoga exercises. He was literally bent upside down and back to front. And, and I said, did you always do this? Because, yeah, since the 70s. That's why they call me the cat, mate. He said, because I'm extremely flexible. And I don't know many other goalkeepers who would have a strict one-hour yoga stretch before a game but 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 i think my it has to be peter check because if you look at his stats yeah and he was part of the spy i'm going to keep the same spine of the team where um peter check was the goalkeeper because his stats are at one time he was actually the best goalkeeper in the world so if, if we're talking about when they're there it would be peter check at his peak check it is are you flat back four? flat back four definitely yes um, I'm going. What are we going for? Right back or left back? Go, go, go across the go across the line for us. Left back. Across the line. Well, let's say number two. Let's say if, okay, if yes. we go old school, number two. There are some great Chelsea right backs. One of them being Steve Clark, mm-hmm. who was the Scotland manager, yeah. and he was brilliant. He was kind of first time we saw an attacking right back. Um, we, 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 I've already said Cesar Aspilicueta is my favourite player now. So. It's really between two players. One was Albert Ferrer, who was a player we got from Barcelona, yeah. who was at Chelsea for five years, but unfortunately had injuries, only played about 76 games. But I'm going with Dan Petrescu. Petrescu, Because I yeah. thought Dan Petrescu was a brilliant attacking right back, very skillful and actually not a bad defender as well. So he'd be in my all-time 11, Dan you, Petrescu. You set the halves? Uh, no, let's go number three. Oh, let's okay. Go left back. Sorry. Let's go left back. I do okay. love the fact that you're using old numerals. No, I apologise. You're absolutely old right. Numerals. Number three. Let's go. The, the number three, there again, some great. We've got Graham Lasso. We've got you know, Tony DiRigo. And, of course, we had the great Eddie McCready, mm-hmm. who was part of that 1970s team. McCready was actually a great defender. and um, But there is only really one player when it comes to stats, when it comes to honours, it has to be Ashley Cole. Yeah, I mean, he was going to say Ashley Cole, that. who's now... Younger generation seem as a pundit, but at one time, I think along with Roberto Carlos, he was the best left back, best attacking left back I agree in the with world. That. Yeah. Good, yeah, totally right. Totally yeah. Agree. Yeah. He's he's been selected probably more times than any player yeah, in the best eleven. Most players by more players. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Arsenal and Chelsea, obviously, yeah. you see. and England and England teams yeah. exactly. Yeah, so he, he he's fantastic. in there. Yeah. So all right, five four. and six. Oh, you're going to go four? Are oh, you literally staying in number order? Four Sorry. I'm staying, staying in those numbers. Yeah, because the, num- the number six has to be like the Makaleli role. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. So um, I would definitely for... There's got to be... <laughs> okay, it's, it's, it's two of these four, I would say. <laughs> okay, and uh, we, we could say Marcel Desailly, yeah. who was a World Cup winner, but then again, he came towards the end of his career... It wasn't peak. He was still good, but he wasn't peak, peak, peak. To say so, I, I'm going Mickey Droy. Right, Mickey Droy, yep. who was a, a massive player, old-fashioned centre half. Yes, old-fashioned. Centre. He was at Chelsea for good more than ten years, and uh, I think he's now a plumber in Miami. Um, <laughs> he's got to go in there. He's got to go in there, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Plumber or an electrician, I'm not sure, but it's definitely Mickey Droy, and it has to be next to him, John Terry. Okay, Mickey right. Droy because he's left-footed and John Terry who is right-footed but actually had a great left foot and when I met him after a game with my son he asked my son what position do you play and he said centre-back and he goes you left-footed or right-footed he went right-footed he goes well 
uh, let me tell you this, I didn't have a left foot, but for a whole year, I did nothing but play off my left foot. And now my left foot's as good as my, yeah. my right. So, mm. so I would say, yeah, definitely John Terry. Strong, number strong, five. strong. Okay, that's your back four. Into the midfield then. Are we going 4-4-2, Omid, or are you... Are you are I'm you... going 4-3-3. Okay, cool. That's okay. okay, that's fine. Well, um, this is a tough one because you have to have Frank Lampard in yeah. there. Yeah. Lampard is one of the old time. But but the other the other two players who would have been in that kind of attacking role, special mentions would be going to my, Michael Balak. Yeah. Who really was a great player. And Balak came when he was like 29, so he was kind of coming to his peak, unfortunately got injured. Horrible injury, didn't he? 2010 FA Cup and never really, I don't think he even played again. I think he went back to buy Leverkusen, but he'd lost it by then. And, um, but a special mention also to Mickey Fillery. Uh, Mickey Fillery was a left-footed creative midfielder, midfielder we had in the 1980s. If any Chelsea fans remember Mickey Fillery, he was someone who I am telling you now would have been in the England squad, but he played most of his career in the second division. So he never really got a chance, but he was a very, very skillful. Uh, so, but I definitely in, in, in the attacking midfield, it would be Frank Lampard. Uh, obviously, in the, uh, and that would be number eight. Number six it is a toss-up between Kante and Makaleli, and I would have to go Kante yeah. only because Kante scored more goals and is a little bit more of an attacking threat okay. than Makaleli. Makaleli only scored one goal, where he took a penalty and he missed it, but scored on the rebound against Charlton. Um, so I would say Kante, Lampard, Kante. And then the final, the number seven role, uh, it's a toss-up between two, again, two of my other favourite players. Uh, it has to be Ray Wilkins, mm. who was our captain. He was Butch. a captain at Chelsea when he was about, I think, 17 or 18 and was a, a real gentleman and a, a wonderful human being and a great player for England as well. It's a toss-up between Ray Wilkins and Michael Essien. Mm. Oh, yeah. uh, and it's a tough one. But when I look at if it was Lampard, Kante and Essien, they'd probably be um, the, 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 the stronger uh, the stronger three in midfield. Although I would say Essien just shades Wilkins. But Wilkins very close yes. there because he was in, in his time. I remember telling Wilkins, I remember when you scored a goal. He, this is why they like me at Chelsea. The old ex-players like me. They always say, you're proper Chelsea, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> because I was there. I was there. There was a game, Chelsea-Oldham. And I remember that Chelsea were 2-0 up. Then Oldham came back to 2-2. And then and then Wilkins took a corner from the right-hand side. And he took it with his left foot. And he curled it in directly. It was a goal from direct. And places went mad. And I, and I said, I had read... I had read in the papers that you did that to prove people wrong because people said to, to play for England, you should be both footed. And he, and he was both footed. And to prove that he could do it, he scored direct with his left foot in the corner. And he, and, he went, and he gave me a hug and he goes, no one, actually no one has said that to me ever. And uh, he, was, he was very excited that I picked up on that. Good um, knowledge. So- Proper chose. See, that's right. It's all about. So true, isn't it? I can tell you also, uh, he got me tickets to see the Charity Shield in 2010. And I sat with his family, his daughter and his son. And I said, you know, I've loved loved you, Jack. The best goal I ever score, any Chelsea player score against uh, for for England was Belgium 1980 when he he lobbed the defence and he lobbed the keeper. And they went, "Um, we don't remember that. I said, you don't remember that? That's one of the greatest goals. I've never even heard of it. I said, you do like football, don't you? Yeah, I like football. <laughs> and then, and I said to his wife, I said, do you know that goal game? She went, no, not at all. 
So when the game was over, we met in the lounge afterwards. He goes, do you enjoy that? Ahmed, I said, yeah. I said, I said, have I got this wrong, Ray? Didn't you score a great goal against Belgium? He goes, it's the best goal ever scored. Probably the best goal ever scored by anyone in England, sure. I said, you're your wife and kids. I've never even heard of it. He goes, well, that's a disgrace, Ahmed. I was just talking about it at lunch uh, last year. So I went to the toilet. When I came back, I could see he'd obviously confronted his wife. His wife she was saying, right, I don't like football. Don't watch. I'll bring a book. And he goes, you're embarrassing me. Because I go, who cares? I don't like football. I don't remember any goal you scored. And I'm like, see you, Reagan. Yeah, we'll see you later. Like, you, you left me in the crap here. It's like, it's like all these retros are now backing off in case I'm in ruins hit their lives as well. Roll, rolls a grenade in and just, I'm off now. See you, Ray. I threw a grenade and, and just left really sharp. Oh, my God, Eric. Comes of all the knowledge, <laughs> run away. Hilarious. That's fantastic. Uh, so definitely Lampard, Kante, Essien, special mention. Special and man, your right. front three. Front three, it's got to be. Um, th- th- for me, there's only, it's the three greatest legends that the club has ever had. And I would, every Chelsea fan, I would think most, I mean, look, special mention to uh, Robin, Duff, Joe Cole, Sean Wright Phillips. That was an exciting time when we had four wingers. But it has to be Hazard, Hazard on I would say left or right because you know they all, they play on both sides. Yeah, yeah. Hazard on one side and Zola on the other Ooh. side because when when um, we're talking peak Hazard yeah. and peak Zola when Zola came, he was part of the Chelsea revolution and he I think w- w- there were major things that happened when Glenn Hoddle came, he got Rude Hullett and Mark Hughes. Yeah, they mm. came in and changed things yeah. and then uh, basically we got. Um, we, we got Zola came towards the end of 97. He changed things. And it was, that was the, I would say that's the the emergence of the Chelsea team we see now. And a huge um, caps off to Zola, who when he came was 29, 30. He gave seven years, played till he was 37 years of age. Yeah. And we're still playing great. So I would take Zola in any of those years yeah, he played. He was pretty much peak. And so it's Hazard on one side, Zola on the other side. And it definitely... It ha- you could say Peter Rosgood, you could say, but the, but the own, there's only one. And a player I didn't actually like when he first came. I remember thinking after his second season, we've got to get rid of this guy. His, his attitude's wrong. He's not a great player, but what a player for the for the big games of Didier Drogba. <laughs> we, were all just, we were all just mouthing each other going, Drogba, Drogba. It's got to be Drogba. It's got to be Drogba. Only because of what he did. He, he was a, he was a, I never forget there was a semi-final in 2012 where he scored against Spurs at Wembley. And then he scored the goal in the cup final. And then he scored not just the goal to equalise um, against Bayern Munich in the Champions League final, but he also scored the winning penalty. So just for those four goals alone, he has legendary status at the club and there is nobody better. And if you look back at his over 100 goals he scored, he's got to be one of the best in foreign imports we've ever had in the Premier League. And he's also one of the funniest and sweetest people because when I met him, I said when I met you, uh, Didier, I thought you were I thought you were Welsh, and he, he said what? I said I thought you were Welsh because they said Ivorian Didier Drogba. I thought your name, I thought your name was Ivor Ian Drogba, <laughs> and he looked at me and he said that is the most stupid thing I've ever heard in my life. I wish, he, I wish he was Welsh. I thought Ivor Ian Drogba. Ivor Ian Drogba. That's genius. That is the most stupid thing. He just looked at me and that is the most stupid With his eyes, there he goes, that is the most stupid thing I've ever heard in my life. Have you met Florian Maluda? That's what he said. 
<laughs> Push me on to Florent Balloon. He can straight move away. you on again. Yeah. I love Phil Daniels calls him Dr. Ogba as well. Which is, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Ogba. Which is great. I was going to say, so the big question here is manager. Manager, yeah. Oh, manager. Um, well, I've, I've always had a huge soft spot for Dave Sexton, always had a huge spot for, I mean, all the man. We even had Jeff Hurst as manager at, at one time, uh, who, by the way, brought in one of my favourite Chelsea players who I, I can't mention because no one will remember him, but Jeff Hurst signed a player called Phil Driver, who if you, I think if you go on to YouTube, you can see a game, Chelsea 6, Newcastle nil. Phil Driver was a player who was lanky and tall. And Jeff Hurst believed in him and go, this guy's great. But he unfortunately, he got injured and didn't play that many times. But I'll always remember Jeff Hurst for bringing us a season or two of excitement with Phil Driver, a player that I would be surprised if anybody remembers. <laughs> um, but I love Jeff Hurst. Especially not Ray Wilkins' wife. Especially not Ray Wilkins' wife. She wouldn't know him. <laughs> <laughs> but it has to be Jose, only because of his sense of humour, only because of his um, of the swagger he brought to the club. I, I had a big soft spot for Claudio Ranieri, who, I yeah, think he, yeah, yeah. who himself said that he built the house and... And, and Mourinho came in and put the windows, which which is a, a very fair comment. So I would say it has to be a toss-up between Raniero... Ran, Ranieri, 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 that's there he is. Ranieri, the perfect combination, name, yes. yeah. Yes. Uh, you know what's interesting? Ranieri or Mourinho. So yeah, I have to fair enough. Every, I think every Chelsea fan who's done this has, has picked Mourinho. Yeah. Because that, that period when I he first came... I think he's got peak Mourinho Yeah, peak well, Mourinho, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Definitely. Right. Peak Mourinho, only because of the stories we're hearing now, of the things that Frank Lampard says that... Frank Lampard said that he was in the showers one day and he said to him, you're great, but you, you're still not world-class. And he just said, I just wanted to play football. And the first time anyone had told me I could even be world-class, and he goes, he goes, no, we will make you world-class. He goes, in the showers, he told me that. And then true to, true to his thing, he goes, I will help you. And every day in training, he was trying to push Frank Lampard to become world class. He sees things in players, and I think that's the man management. Yeah, that yeah. he can see players. I mean, what he's done with Harry Kane at Tottenham as well. I mean, he said Harry Kane should be world class. I mean, and Harry Kane. I did see an improvement in him for a little while mm. at Tottenham. I don't know if you saw the documentary. Um, yeah, which I think on on Amazon. But it was uh, he's. Uh, I would say, as far as man management skills, he's, he's hardly anyone. But you, you could argue the other way around as well that he's destroyed people too. But but from what I saw, what he did at Chelsea, it's got to be Mourinho. There you go. Brilliant. Ahmed, that is sensational. What a, what a run through that one. Thank wow. you very much indeed for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure, sir. Cheers, you, can, you can get five minutes out of that. Right? <laughs> the Best 11 podcast from Talk Sport. Thank you for listening to the Best 11 podcast. Don't forget there are new episodes out every Monday and Thursday. So join us for more football memories and another Best 11 very soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 